0: and welcome back to who knew we didn't the study study edition. Today is our third study study episode where we cover a study or sometimes other psychological tidbits that we think need their own attention. Today's study study is about addiction and the most famous studies currently in addiction and I'd like you to get ready because it's a roller coaster. So let's just dive right in. Our first study goes all the way back to the 1930s and 40s with skinner's rat boxes a skinner box also known as an operant conditioning chamber is an enclosed apparatus that contains a bar or a key or a lever that an animal can press or manipulate in order to obtain food water or some type of reinforcement now With regards to addiction, rats were put into these isolated boxes, the Skinner boxes. They had a surgically implanted needle into their jugular vein, and they had a lever in their cage, which when they pushed it, they got immediate drugs. This was tested with heroin, morphine, amphetamine, cocaine, and other drugs. And these findings, unsurprisingly, were that rats would pretty much always push the lever and then get all messed up on that sweet, sweet drug. This birthed and reinforced the idea that there are truly addictive demon substances which should be controlled and moderated because animals, humans, cannot control themselves. Thus, the war on drugs and the demon drug belief and the belief that there are just some substances that are irresistible and there's nothing we can do about it because humans are hapless rats in a cage, despite all their rage. Now, I hope you're thinking, hold the F up, Marta, because a lonely, bored rat with an implant in his neck wanted drugs, that doesn't mean that the case is solved. There are so many other things that we should be thinking about with humans. Just because the rat wanted drugs doesn't mean humans do the same thing. But also, how realistic is that? If we put humans in a cage with only a lever where they can get drugs, what else are they gonna do? These other variables are environment, predisposition, motivation, temptation, so on and so forth. And good thinking, my dear listener, and I agree with you. And this guy named Bruce K. Alexander agrees too. He and his team at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, Canada conducted a study that tried to help us look at all those extra things. Uh, On his website, he wrote that with regards to the Skinner boxes, solitary confinement might be the reason that the rats are drugging themselves up. Humans would probably drug themselves up in solitary as well. The drugs also in the Skinner boxes were way too easy to get for the rats. They required pretty much no effort except for a pressing of a lever. And finally, Alexander said that rat results cannot be generalized to humans. And on a tale of that last thought, that rat results cannot be generalized to humans, Alexander created what I can only think of as the most ironic study ever, where he set out to study… rats. Again. But this time, he had two sets of rats. One set was in the Skinner boxes, and another set was in Rat Park, which was the perfect playpen for rats. In this playpen for rats it was kind of more than just a playpen it was like rat heaven the drugs weren't super easy to get but also there were so many other things to do the female rats and the male rats could uh, interact both socially and sexually so they could actually have babies and babies in the mix were so much more interesting for them than doping themselves up and what they found was that the rats in rat park consumed way less of that drugged up liquid than the Skinner box rats And that's pretty much, in hindsight, a pretty understandable conclusion now this new finding opens the door to the possibility to a sociological theory of addiction that your society and your environment determines your addiction the chemicals of drugs have nothing to do with it at all and it's all about your environment the trillion dollar war on scams is an abject failure and we don't even have addictive substances at all it's only the reasons it's only the environment that makes us addicted to things right well Still not super true because there are more problems. If you go into Alexander's website, you can see two pages describing the flaws of the Skinner boxes, which I could probably write three or four pages on the flaws of the Skinner boxes. I'm with you there, Alexander. Then you see one paragraph of methods and findings of his studies with the Rat Park studies and then two or three sentences about how his own grad student in his own lab couldn't replicate the study then honestly probably about another two or three pages pages about how amazing his own findings were how they prove that everything we know about addiction is wrong how this study means that there are no addictive chemicals and the genetics and your brain have absolutely nothing to do with us using drugs hold up alexander this is just generalizing and oversimplifying your study your single finding that actually you admitted yourself your own grad student couldn't replicate So long story short, I have problems with this study as well, and I'm not the only one. I actually found a fantastic article on outline.com that I'll link in the show notes, and it goes more into what happened in this study. First, nobody wanted to publish Alexander's work. When it was finally published six years after they found the findings that they did, it got very underwhelming appreciation. You want to know why? because of significant problems with methodology and results. Apparently, Alexander lost eight days of data due to a malfunctioning piece of electronic equipment used to measure the liquids that the rats consumed. Eight days of data. When a study isn't very long, eight days of data could hugely skew the study. Were the rats drinking a lot of that drugged water when you lost that eight days of data? Did that skew your data? Also, losing eight days of data usually makes you have to redo the study again. You don't just continue on and publish it anyway. You've lost a good chunk of your information. Try again. Also, he left many variables uncontrolled for. For example, male and female rats in the boring cage were isolated from each other. They weren't able to interact with anyone, so they were completely bored and mind-numbed rat park on the other hand had them all housed together which introduced babies as i mentioned before and this is a whole new part of the equation babies give the rats something else to live for other than drugs put babies in the skinner boxes and see what happens there maybe they wouldn't be pressing that lever Rat Park also had just a whole bunch of activities, made the drugs a lot harder to get, that sort of thing. So we're not really comparing apples to apples. It's not that the situations were completely equivalent except for one uh, environment was a little bit better than the other or something like that there were many variables that are uncontrolled for. Also, as we've discussed in our relationship episodes, there are so many chemicals in the brain that have to do with love and mating and having babies. So Alexander's finding and subsequent complete rejection of the idea that chemicals and genetics have anything to do with it is complete malarkey because there's no way he could know that chemicals have nothing to do with it because the chemicals between the two groups of rats that he had were not the same one set of rats was alone and completely devoid of any interaction, any sex, any babies. The second group of rats had sex and babies, which we know, both of which change the chemicals in your brain. And so maybe they change addictive behaviors too. I don't know. I'm just saying. Next up, we have the burden of repli- replication or rep- reproducibility, whatever that word is. Petri. Yes, Petrie, as in the dish, became a scientist because of what I can only imagine was his subconscious telling him that he had to have a job where he worked with Petri dishes. Anyway, Petrie tried to recreate this study in 1996. And he tried the experiment twice. He precisely replicated the study and it didn't work. He replicated it twice and each time they got mixed results. In the first study, the results leaned a little bit one way and in the second study, the results leaned a little bit the other way. And they accounted for this failure to replicate by saying that there were probably slight genetic differences in the rats between 1979 when Rat Park was found and 1996, despite them being the exact same breed of rat from the exact same breeder, which is funny because Alexander, the guy from 1979 that I just ranted about, he still holds the belief that genetics play no role in addiction. And this is a whole other can of worms that I don't even want to open, because I believe that genetics do in fact play a role in addiction, but that's for another day, because we're supposed to only be focusing on studies. Marta, stay with your program. Anyway, let's talk more about generalizability. The Rat Park study was in fact replicated in a couple other studies and the results have been published. So this theory, this thesis, it does hold, although unsteadily. But what could account for this unsteadiness of the thesis or the theory? Well, it could be that The environment isn't the whole picture, it isn't the whole equation. So if you're only studying the environment, there could be other variables that are making your study unpredictable. That's why sometimes you can replicate it, sometimes you can't. And really, what does this really mean for humans? Would you say that you have the same eating patterns as a rat or the same grooming habits? I hope not. So why do we think that it's fair to say that humans might have the same addiction patterns as rats? We don't even have the same brains, so why would they work the same? They don't. Also, the study was only done with morphine, and opioid, and yet the results are generalized onto all addictions of all kinds. Like that wacky tobacco a little bit too much? Your environment sucks. I just don't think it adds up. It's like saying that rats like their steaks with salt and pepper, so humans should have the same salt and pepper on everything, on your bread, on your banana, and in your coffee. Honestly, I can go on and on, as I've already proven, and there are many things that I'm choosing not to cover today, like the mechanisms of addiction, how environment is a large but not exclusive part of addiction, how genetics play a role, that sort of thing. But I'd like to end this with a statement. Do not let this ruin your trust in science and doctors and scientists. Take this as a lesson instead, that every study has amazing things to learn, but there's even more to learn under the surface of these findings. Maintain a critical eye, and the next time you read a study saying that a glass of wine a day keeps the doctor away, believe it, and the next day when you hear the one about all alcohol being poison, believe that too, because they're probably both true but not mutually exclusive and not the whole picture. Read into things and dig into the truth a little bit more with us, dear listeners. And that's it for today. I'm sorry I got a little inspirational and preachy at the end there, but I've listened to a lot of TED Talks lately, so that's kind of inspiring my speech patterns, some of which I'll actually pop into the description. Uh, And I just wanted to call out, there is one TED Talk specifically that made me bring up these studies, and it's the TED Talk called Everything You Think You Know About Addiction Is Wrong, where a psychologist actually holds up the Rat Park study as the holy grail listen to that one I still think it's a great TED talk but there are many grains of salt and perhaps pepper that you should take with this study and with this TED talk and another one I really like that has to do with addiction uh, and more so labels is called rebranding our shame and that one I'll link in the show notes as well If you guys have any questions at all, or if you want to get in touch with us, you absolutely can. We are Who Knew We Didn't Everywhere on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Reddit. One of our listeners has tracked me down already, which was very exciting. And we also have a Gmail, Who Knew We Didn't at gmail.com. And that's me drum rolling. Uh, we have a Patreon page. So it's patreon.com slash who knew we didn't. And if you guys want to go be patrons, that would be so effing cool. So do it, I guess, if you have money to spare and you don't know where to put it. Also, if you have any ideas for how to get a donation page where people can donate like a one-time sum instead of recurring donations, let us know because I don't know where to find that and how to, how to arrange that. And this is just all too much for my little brain. And thank you for listening. Once again, I'll speak with you guys next week. And next week, I'll have my lovely Megan. We have a car recording scheduled this weekend. I can't wait. And see you later. Bye.